Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. and welcome to today's episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today I am so excited because we have Lauren from Structured Special Ed here talking all about social-emotional learning groups. She talks all about some of her key strategies for making social-emotional learning groups really effective in classroom. She utilizes Pear Deck for all of her social-emotional learning groups for her older students and she finds it really, really engaging. And then she also talks about some really great tips for different read-alouds that you can incorporate in your social-emotional learning groups as well as games and incorporating those in your social emotional learning groups as well. So we are just going to jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. I am here with Lauren from Structured Special Ed. Do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. I am Lauren. I'm from Structured Special Ed, and I am an SDL teacher in two K-6 elementary schools, Um, and I used to be a self-contained autism teacher in a structured program, hence the name, and um, I've been teaching now for about six years, and I've taught everything K-6, and before that, I used to be an ABA at-home therapist for about eight years, so I have a pretty wide (laughs) variety in the behavior world. That's awesome. Like, yeah, talk, talk a little bit about how you went from being an at-home ABA therapist to working in the schools. Yeah. So I, um, when I was at home or working in the home setting, I loved being in the school setting. I didn't get to do it often, but I did occasionally kind of acted as a one-on-one sometimes for some of my clients. And, um, it was kind of one of those where I felt like we in the home setting didn't always, um, kind of have that rapport with teachers if we were making recommendations or we were going in to advocate on behalf of our clients. Um, and so I really wanted to learn more about special ed and the education system to, I feel like, better advocate and help and bridge that connection and stuff. And um, the more that I learned about it and went through my coursework and got my master's in it and stuff, the more I kind of gravitated away from at home, even though I loved it. But it just was one of those where I felt like I had more um, ability to do change myself um, because some teachers, and I love teachers, and obviously I was a teacher for a long time, and so I get it, but um, some teachers are sometimes resistant to someone coming in and giving feedback or um, offering change or stuff like that. So um, when I got a lot of pushback, um, I kind of just figured I would go be a teacher myself and do it myself. So it's kind of the bridge of the gap to how I did it. That's awesome. And now you are in a different role. So you are a um, social emotional coordinator, right? In your district? Yeah. So it's um, essentially like it's a, a specialist, kind of like a behavior interventionist almost and stuff. So I don't have my own class. I work with every kid in the entire school. So the gen ed population, our sped population, um, and I'm housed at two schools. So I'm half time at one, half time at another, and I'm all day and 
then I switch um, my days and stuff depending on the week and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I just work with a lot of teachers to do a lot of like proactive um, observations and putting um, behavior interventions and supports in place. Um, I do run small group with some of our tier two kiddos and stuff. Um, so yeah, so I have kind of, it's a big role. I go into classrooms even and teach whole group SEL lessons. So I kind of get a little bit of everything now. That's awesome. So what does a typical day look like for you? Is it like running a bunch of groups, going into random classrooms? Do you work one-on-one -on -one with students? Um, actually, it's a little bit of all of that. So it depends on my school. One of my schools is um, pretty mixed with some of their needs. Like we have... Um, I guess a lot of tier one, tier two, and tier three kiddos at some of my schools. Um, and then one of my schools is pretty much um, across the board, just a really high SES. So we do a lot of um, just all in classroom um, SEL group stuff with them. So my other school though, I get all of it. I get to go into classrooms, I get to pull kids, I get to work with groups, do one-on-one, -on -one, do observations. So it's actually fun because every it's different at every school. That's awesome. And like your day sounds like it's different every day, so it doesn't get boring. <laughs> It definitely doesn't. So what's one of the things that you um, really recommend for teachers who are running SEL groups in their classroom or something that you would help a coach a teacher through to start running SEL groups? Um, so I would say, depending on the grade, I just feel like I, when I think of my primary, I do a lot of like bibliotherapy. So things with books and stuff like that, just try to really connect things back to books and whatnot. Um, and then with my older kids, I use Pear Deck to do more interactive lessons and stuff. So I'm pretty split on that. Like I um, just kind of swear by books and think that books, especially in those primary grades, are just like one of the better ways to get around and do things and stuff and to connect with those kids. Um, but my older kids, I've learned real fast that <laughs> they're not down for the books and stuff. So I um, found Pear Deck, just kind of seeing people on Instagram using it. And so I gave it a shot and it was game changing. So with my um, four, six kids, I do Pear Deck every week with them and they love it. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about Pear Deck? That's not something that I've used for SEL groups. Yeah, so Pear Deck is kind of like an add-on onto your Google Slides and stuff, and it allows your slides to become interactive. So it allows for like polls or open answer questions, or um, they even have like a drawing feature and stuff. And so what I do is I just make like um, a slideshow. So every week I go in and our school follows a kind of like an SEL curriculum. It's called All Things CQ, and actually both my schools do. So I'm pretty familiar with it and do it at both schools. But um, so I do my slides based off of like their motto of the week, which is just a different SEL um, lesson and stuff. So we talk about just a wide variety of SEL topics and subjects and we teach that and stuff. And um, so I go in and I just make all of these different um, kind of like slideshow presentations and stuff, but it's more for the kids to like interact with it. So a lot of things will be like true or false, like, do you think of this or do you, or like open-ended questions, like just kind of asking them something like, how do they think, how do they interpret this? Or do they think this is about themselves? Or like, say I'm teaching growth mindset, like how would you change this to be more growth mindset and stuff like that? And um, so then you actually just as an instructor, like on your end, cause you're a teacher and it's on your slides, you um, on the pair deck, just start the lesson and you have complete control of it. So it's really cool because when the kids kind of log in, you get, they get like a class code and um, they log into it and then you can see all of their answers, but you can't see who, um, 
put the answer. So it doesn't like um, give their name. It remains like private and stuff. So a lot of my fourth, fifth and sixth graders love it. And they're really um, honest and open with their responses. Like one time, one of my favorite lessons, if you've ever read the book, like the, um, what I wish my teacher knew and stuff, I always do that with my kids. And um, it's really fascinating because before when we would do lessons like that, or I do things like that in class, I feel like the kids didn't really buy into it. I think because they were nervous to have anything brought back to them and stuff like that, or like in front of the class to share anything and whatnot. Um, and I did the lesson this year on Pear Deck because we were distant learning at the time. And that was the best way I could honestly connect my kids over distant learning. And um, it was really fascinating because I'd done it before in person and then I did it over distant learning and I've actually done it since we've been back in school too, um, in person through Pear Deck in class. And they the kids just feel completely um, comfortable because when you put up the answers like on the screen or they submit their answer, like no one can see who it is. So it's completely anonymous. And they just, I feel like that power of being anonymous and being private um, just makes them feel so much more comfortable. And so it's really, I feel like just made some of our kids who are more introverted or a little more hesitant to kind of buy into opening up and stuff. Um, we've just seen huge like leaps and bounds and gains and stuff like that um, from being able to use Pear Deck and stuff. And the teachers and my admin love it. They just say like, this is the best thing ever. Like we've never had kids engage like this before and stuff. So it's really cool. Honestly, I am like a Pear Deck lover now, even though about three months ago, I had no idea what Pear Deck even was and stuff. But um, I love Pear Deck. I think honestly, it's one of the best things for distant learning with some of your older kids. It's phenomenal. I necessarily haven't used it with my younger ones. I don't know if they would do so well with it, but I'd say your older intermediate kids, oh my goodness, they would do awesome with it. That's so cool. So you kind of, you know, you give some instruction on a lesson and then you have them do some sort of applied activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually it's kind of one of those where we kind of do the lesson and the activity like all in one, like sometimes at the top of my slides, like it will be like the content that I, I want them to talk about or like that we need to teach and stuff. And then underneath it'll be kind of like a, a question or a reflection or a poll and stuff like that, or like a, just kind of a whole bunch of things or like draw that what they're feeling and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's really, honestly, it's so cool. And it's funny now that I um, have started doing it every week and stuff, all the teachers are like, how do you do that? Can you try? me like other people across um, my district are like reaching out and they're like, oh, I hear that you use this all the time. Like, can you, can you show me how to do it? So I'm trying to now convert everyone to be a Pear Deck fan. <laughs> there you go. That sounds so cool. And so you can do it. It works really well in the classroom in person and also virtually as well. Oh yeah. It's been, it was honestly a game changer when, because I first, when we started distant learning, um, cause we started off completely distant. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I completely struggled. I had no idea what to do in this role where I don't have a classroom, but I have to go into classrooms and teach. And what's the best way to even do that? And, um, I struggled for sure. And then I, like I said, I came across Paradox on Instagram and it was a game changer. I tried it. And I was like, Oh my God, this just is, I feel like huge because the kids all have buy-in. They all are doing it together and stuff like that. And um, they just, it's so interactive, like just all the features it has and the kids love it. Like anytime I go in, it's so funny. They're like, I can walk in with my computer. They're like, oh, are we doing a Pear Deck today? And I'm like, yeah, we are. And so they're like, oh my God, I'm so excited. So having kids, I feel like even just have that, like wanting to do it and like be engaged with it is huge. 
Yeah, that's, that's so huge. I think one of the key aspects of social emotional learning lessons is making sure that they're really engaging for the students so that they don't even know that they're like learning these skills, right? Because sometimes if we're just like reading from a script of like a box curriculum, it can seem very like rote and kids don't really like that you know they don't really like the lesson or they don't really like the activity because it seems boring to them but if we can make it really engaging they don't even know that they're like practicing these skills and they're developing these skills yeah it definitely it's and it's also funny because i feel like when you bust out anything like paper pencil or like cutting activity or like you know like i mean we can't really do group activities now with covid or god forbid like when we were distant learning we couldn't do anything like that and stuff and so this was just like the perfect way i feel like to do everything you wanted to do to engage and feel whole group, but still feel individual. And just, like I said, I am just like at this point, like a Pear Deck lover, like they need to sponsor me or something because I seriously, anytime I get the opportunity to just shout them out, like it is the best thing I've come across. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing that with teachers right now, because I'm sure teachers with how things are changing very quickly can start learning Paradox so they can use it in their classrooms or if they have to go back virtual and really take their SEL lessons to the next level with this. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's so easy. Like I was, I'm not going to lie. I am like one of the least computer savvy tech people in the whole world. Like I am horrible. Like I have to ask anyone and everyone for help when it comes to anything technology wise. So I'm like, okay, if I can do this, anyone can do this because I am terrible with tech. Well, okay. So good. Glad we have some really great pointers for teachers right now. And so number one on our list for social emotional groups, if you are looking to start them with older kids is to figure out Paradox and incorporate that in your lesson. Definitely. And you also mentioned using like read alouds and stuff. What are some of your recommended books for when you're using read alouds in your social emotional group lessons? Um, so I have, honestly, I'm like one of those people who I kind of don't stray. Like I love, I love books and I have a giant book collection, but I have a giant book collection of very similar authors. Um, I swear by all of Julia Cook's books. I mean, I feel like she's like the guru when it comes to SEL books. I think I have every single one of her books. Um, and those I feel like are such a big hit with my little guys. Like I, every book she has, I love, I swear by, um, I'm a huge, the, what should Danny do books and stuff like that. I love those. I use a lot of those more, I would say in my like smaller SEL groups and stuff when you can, I feel like really have those more in-depth discussions, but sometimes I do bust them out for my whole group lessons. Um, I absolutely love the books. Um, what's it called? The, uh, the little spot books, like the little spot of emotion books and stuff. Um, those books, I feel like kids love those. Like they, I feel like are so kid friendly and the language is just so easy to understand. Um, my little guys just love those books. I also love um, the ninja books. The Oh God, I'm drawing a blank on what the um, author's name is for that one. But those ninja books where it's like um, kindness ninja or the other day I just did positivity ninja and stuff. Those books, I kids, I mean, it's funny. I feel like kids gravitate to books with like characters like that and stuff. So like Little Spot and the ninja books and stuff. Like, I feel like the kids just love books, be, like those kind of books, because they just can, I feel like, be very interested in those characters where it's not just like a, a person. Like, and so they love it. So I come in and they're like, are we doing the ninja book today? And I'm like, no, we're doing the spot book. And they're like, oh, I love the spot book and stuff. So, um, and then I love also using, um, the kids books about. Um, so like I use those more for 
um, my like smaller group lessons and stuff like that. But those have been a game changer as well. I feel like those are really kid-friendly language as well and stuff. I use those more with my older kids, not necessarily my younger ones and stuff, but they have just such a wide variety of topics that I feel like make it easy for us as educators to connect those really hard topics like divorce and depression and um, God, I feel like I have every single one of their books too. Um, but they obviously have positive ones too and stuff, but I use more of their like really hard hitting topics and stuff. Um, I love all those books. I, yeah. I just, I love books. I mean, I have so many and I could go on for days about books and stuff, but those are, I feel like my top five. Awesome. Okay. So now we have some tips for teachers. If you're starting to develop your SEL collection in your classroom library, or you're starting to do some SEL lessons like whole class, these are some great places to start. I love all of those books as well. I love incorporating a book into typically when I do like social emotional groups, I try and do like the behavioral skills training model. So like instruction about a topic and then we model it and I have some kids practice it and then we all practice it and then we do feedback and everything like that. Um, and I love using like a book as the instruction piece of it or, you know, just a small introduction from myself about like why we need this skill and then using a book to help like illustrate that story to kids because I think they can really connect that as opposed again to it just being like I'm reading from like a canned lesson and kids get really bored with that but if we can put a story behind it or we can use some sort of read aloud I think that really draws kids attentions in and so I'm so glad that you have a great library of books that you can share with teachers about if they're just starting out with their library these are some great places to start because these are some awesome books and with you know sales coming up and everything definitely add these to your Amazon cart or whatever and see um, when they're on sale so that we can start adding these to our library because I know teachers don't have <laughs> a unlimited amount of funds to yeah to honestly I was going to say one of the things that I really pushed hard um, when I moved into my new role, which obviously it's not something that I feel like every school can do or every um, teacher can advocate for, but I really um, fought really hard to get these books put in our school library so like that teachers can use these and stuff. Um, so I went to my library and was like, what do we need to do to like get these books put on a list for like eventually being bought for our library and stuff just so like other teachers can get these books too and stuff. And um, obviously sometimes I feel like when you start to, I feel like, um, want to make the school pay for things and stuff like that, you just have to really, I feel like have that background and be able to advocate of like, but if we get these books, then every teacher has access to them and every child has access to them and stuff like that. And not just someone like me, like who just has a collection in their office of books and whatnot and pulls kids every now and then and stuff. So that was one of my big um, things that I really did when I moved into this role and stuff was I literally went to our library and was like, what SEL books do we have? Like what books on emotion do we have? Like what books on behavior do we have? And the answer was like very little. Like, I don't even know if we had like more than five and they were just sporadically, I think donated and stuff. And so I really fought hard. Um, so now that we have a good portion of these books in our library, teachers, like that's what I recommend when teachers like, I'm struggling with this. I'm like, well, go to the library and go check out this book or like bullying or whatever the case may be and stuff like that. Or um, like 
patience and stuff, or, you know, just kind of any of those skills that like as a whole class, like a teacher could do a read aloud. And so that was a big push I did, um, not only to just, I feel like help myself, but also to help our school, to help our community, help our staff and stuff. Because I feel like when we get these books into other people's hands and stuff, and teachers feel like they have these resources readily available and stuff, um, it was a big thing. So I really pushed hard for my principal and my PTO and my librarian to really get on board with this. And so luckily I have a very supportive PTO and a very supportive librarian and principal. Um, so we have started to kind of grow an SEL book collection in our library for our kids and teachers. That's such a great strategy. Like I've never even thought of that going to the library and seeing if we could just buy them for the district um, or for the lot for that building. Um, that's such a great strategy. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you shared that because that's something that I'm definitely going to use now. <laughs> uh, I'm so like used to just buying things and then like having them and being able to like share them with teachers and students and stuff like that. But that's a really good way to do it too. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like, especially because I'm split at two schools, I'm not always there. And teacher's like, Hey, are you here today? Do you have this book? And I'm like, I do. It's in my locked office. So someone needs to go unlock my office to get it for you and stuff. And that's when after like the first few times of that, I was like, we just need to get a collection of these for the entire staff in the library for even like the kids and stuff. Like the kids love these books and I bet you they'd want to check them out themselves. And the funny thing is, is when I asked her to pull the stats, like on some of the books that I've like used or teachers have used, it's like crazy how many kids after we've introduced it or we've gone over it and done the activities and stuff that kids then go and check it out. They love it. So it's kind of like a, I feel like a win-win situation on all, all aspects. Yeah. These are some great tips. I'm so glad that you came and you shared this with us. So just to recap, for teachers that are looking to start social emotional learning groups and make them more engaging, definitely check out Pear Deck. Start weaving that into your social emotional learning lessons and start building your social emotional learning library in your classroom with all of the recommendations that you've given us. Is there anything else you want to add for any tips that you have for teachers who are just starting out with social emotional learning or anything else you want to add uh, to this episode? Yeah, you know, honestly, one of the other things that I just swear by and stuff, which I feel like is just kind of a game changer when it comes to, I feel like starting to build those relationships or starting with those small groups is honestly go to Goodwill and just get a ton of games and stuff, because that is like the best way to incorporate so many skills. I feel like that you don't even realize um, when it comes to either building relationships or like turn taking or like all those really, I feel like basic fundamental skills and stuff that just like you can even, I know we've seen it before and we've talked about it and stuff, but like you can take Jenga and like make it color coded and put cards to it and stuff. So honestly, like go to Goodwill. There are like games are like a dollar or two dollars. <laughs> Trust me. I have a whole cabinet now of Goodwill games and stuff, but you can find so many good games. And that is has also been, I feel like a lifesaver for me because kids sometimes when they shut down, when it comes to like books or when it, they're having these really big emotions and you're trying to work through it and stuff like that. I mean, sometimes you'd be surprised how much you're like, Hey, do you just want to sit down and play Uno? Like, do you want to just like sit, chat, talk, like play a game and stuff? Kids love stuff like that. So that has also been a really big thing. That's like been a game changer in this role is having just games readily available and kids just want to come and do puzzles or do games and just connect and stuff like that. So that's also been fun too. That's so funny that you say that because we were just had a conversation with Kaylin from Caffeinated Behavior Change and that's her number one tip as well as incorporate a lot of games. You work on so many different skills when you're teaching with games and kids really like it and it also helps like really build that relationship with kids and 
and makes it fun and engaging for them. So that's the, always the goal, right? Fun and engaging and they learn a lesson along the way and they don't even know that they're learning that lesson. Oh, of course. They literally, they, you don't even know. I tell people all the time, you have no idea how many actual little skills there are when you play games, it, but there's so many and kids have no idea they're learning those and stuff. So that is just such, I feel like one of those fundamental things and whatnot to use. Yeah. And I love how you said when kids are experiencing big emotions or they're upset about something, a lot of times we want them to calm down really quickly. And I think the fastest way to get kids to calm down is to just distract them from whatever they're upset about and do some sort of fun, engaging activity where it's not like they have to sit there and talk to you about the mistake that they made or the argument that they got in with a peer or the, you know, some sort of, you know, undesired behavior they engage in when they know that, you know, they probably shouldn't have done that. And then they're all upset. They think they're getting in trouble, but really like we can really help calm them down, deescalate the situation, do something fun and engaging with them and then talk about it after. Yeah. It's um, just like you said, I feel like they're depending on obviously like what that behavior is and kind of what's going on and stuff like that. Distractions, one of those key tools that I feel like I use often and stuff, obviously, as long as their body's safe and everything really is kind of just kind of going okay and whatnot. They're just really experiencing these really big floods of emotion and whatnot. I do that all the time. Like I'm like, Hey, let's sit and listen to music or tell me who your favorite band is like what's your favorite song or what's your favorite game. Let's play a game and stuff like that. And it just, it's amazing how that kind of really just like flips the script in them and stuff like that. Like, Oh, sure. You want to listen to music or sure. You want to play Uno and whatnot. And they love stuff like that. And it's amazing how fast that helps them kind of get out of that, like dwelling of the behavior, like that really anxious side of the behavior and stuff where they're, they're so anxious and nervous of what's to come or how, what's going to happen and stuff. So I love that technique. It's just one of those go-to ones for me. I've learned over the years. That's awesome. You've given us so many great tips. I want to thank you again for coming on this episode. I know teachers are going to find this so valuable and we'll be able to start social emotional learning groups or if they already have them going in their classroom, really revamp them to make them really engaging and take some of these tips away so that their students can learn some new skills. So yes. I just want to thank you again for joining me. Maybe we'll have to do another conversation later on in the year with more tips and strategies. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I loved uh, just coming on and being able to talk about stuff like this. I think it's so important. So I just really appreciate you having me. All right. So that's all the tips that we have for you today. I hope that this episode was really, really helpful and helped you gain some insight into what her social emotional learning groups look like and give you some ideas of how to structure your social emotional learning groups in the future. Thank you so much for listening and go make sure you follow Lauren over at Structured Special Ed on Instagram so you can see all of her amazing tips and strategies that she shares over there. And if this episode was helpful, if you would be so kind and leave a rating or review that would help other teachers find this podcast and these episodes so they can start implementing social emotional learning strategies in their classrooms as well. If you want to continue this conversation, feel free to message me over on Instagram at Teaching Behavior Together, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have or just continue talking about social emotional learning groups because I love them so much. Thank you again for listening and have a great rest of your day.